as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the city. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, also Big Shiny Robot. And we got three movies for you today. Uh, two of them kind of are flashes, flashbacks to the past of things that have come before, and one of them deals with some very important issues that have come to light in recent years. Uh, we've got Bridget Jones' Baby, which is the third in the uh, Bridget Jones series, uh, The Blair Witch, which is the first and only sequel, because we're going to forget that Book of Shadows ever happened. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, yeah, that's we won't go there. I, I was I worked at Blockbuster that time, and yeah, those were, those were dark days. And then <laughs> we've got the... Uh, I, biopic kind of thing from Oliver Stone of uh, Edward Snowden. So uh, that one actually has a lot to discuss because not only is it important with what's going on in our times, uh, it's just overall it's a very, for I've seen, intriguing story. But we'll dive into that later. Let's start, though, with Bridget Jones' Baby. Now, I have not seen any of these movies because I just don't care. And they actually uh, did the screening for this right before Blair Witch, and because this movie's longer than the, it would go through the beginning time of Blair Witch, I chose to see the latter, and then found out they delayed the screen, so I could have seen both. But anyways, that was well, they're my really making story. you choose there between two very different things, and that is not unlike what is going on at the theaters this weekend, right? Yeah, I and mean, honestly, that... yeah, I try to stay away from four-hour-long movies unless I'm at Sundance, so. Oh, oh. <laughs> but, but this is um, this is the ultimate encounter programming. You take a horror movie and a chick flick, and you put them right next to each other. And it, like you mentioned, this is uh, the third Bridget Jones movie. And if you are a fan of the Bridget Jones Diaries movies or uh, the source material books, you are absolutely going to love it. If you are not familiar with them, if you don't care about them, yeah, this is maybe not your thing. But if you like romantic comedies in general, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, the The best thing that I can say about this movie is I now have empathy for everyone who is not a Star Wars fan, not a Star Trek fan, not a Lord of the Rings fan, not a Marvel fan. So when the new movie comes out and I'm so excited and it's so great and it's so perfect for me and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what everyone else who isn't a fan, how they would react to this. I think that's probably, uh, that's how I'm reacting to Bridget Jones's baby. The plot's really simple. Uh, Renee Zellweger is back as Bridget Jones. She's having kind of a midlife crisis after uh, the events of the previous movie where she's broken it off with, with Mr. Darcy, who's played by Colin Firth. Kind of feels like maybe she lost the love of her life, but she's moving forward in her career uh, after a, a strange week of inexplicable things happening. Uh, she hooks up with both uh, Patrick Dempsey and Colin Firth, and then she's pregnant. And she doesn't know who the baby belongs to, and wackiness ensues. As as you do, so yeah, as as you do. I have no judgment here. It, you know the way that this plays out is actually very sweet, and it's actually very charming. I I can't fault them for trying. This movie is very very British. It is body and all that rock. 
Yeah. Hi, team. <laughs> team Crumpets. Uh, hello. But... Hello. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Know what I mean? Yeah. But as, um, as, uh, as kind of raunchy as it is, it's still very proper. Like, you compare this to your, your average Seth Rogen or a Judd Apatow movie, and it's just not even in the same ballpark. I mean, this isn't even a ballpark. This is a cricket pitch, right? <laughs> That's how different. <laughs> so uh, it, it's it's really kind of sweet, but I think if again, if you love it, you're gonna love it. And there's a lot here for the fans. If you don't, I don't know why you'd be interested in this movie anyway. Um, as a film, I think it holds up fairly well as your basic kind of romantic comedy. And so I'm giving this like a 6 out of 10. It's not bad. It's pretty good, for especially for what it is. And for fans of indie folk rocker Ed Sheeran, he has a really amazing cameo in this movie. So, Ooh, actually, uh, I like yeah. him. We saw him, oh God, it was years and years ago. It was before his first album came to America. Uh, I watch a lot of BBC America for you know, all the fun shows they have on there. And he was at the the Brits, which I think is kind of like their Grammy Awards, mm-hmm. Grammy slash you know Oscar Awards. And he played a couple songs, and I was like, "Oh my god, who is this person?" And I actually had to import the damn CD from the UK. <laughs> and it's really interesting because have you listened to many of his albums or oh yeah yeah any yeah. of them at all? Yeah, his style of music is so weird because he goes from like folk to almost pop to rap. He's a very he's really talented, but he's a very interesting singer songwriter because it's really hard to pigeonhole him into any one type of genre. Yeah, so. uh, he's he, he's really super talented. I really like him, and he's really good in this extended cameo. And he's really funny, and he's kind of poking fun at himself, which is a lot of fun whenever celebs can do this. But I, I think the thing to say about Bridget Jones's baby is this is another in a line of what many people are starting to call the nostalgia sequel. Uh, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, uh, a lot of these things kind of fall into this where we have a property that is very beloved and there are fans of that thing. And so we basically take the things that they liked and we kind of remix it and reserve it to them in a different form and and call it new and reboot it. And it, it's, it's nice. I, I'm remember, not... Remember I'm, Blue Ridge? <laughs> exactly. I mean, remember Chewbacca? No. Yeah. Please go watch this week's South Park uh, just just for that. that remember remember I, when South Park was always funny? <laughs> I do remember when South Park was always funny. It was not this episode, but no. but I love I love the Remember Berries and uh, our our fascination with nostalgia. And I don't think it's a sign that like oh Hollywood is creatively bankrupt. It's it's a simple fact that you know people love Bridget Jones and they wanted another installment. So here's another installment for the people who really loved it. And guess what? If you don't like it. You don't have to go watch it, and that's the. Wait, best are you thing serious? I'm I'm allowed to not like things and and ignore the fact they exist and let people who do like them go on with their lives. Yeah, totally. Oh. It, 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 the fact that a Bridget Jones sequel exists and whether or not it is good 
completely does not change your life. And I think that is very much the same case with the Blair Witch sequel. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> uh, well, from my point of view, no, I, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, but we'll I'll get to that. Well, in a I'm second, saying but... if you if you hated it and like like some grumpy critics, oh, who um... don't like fun, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, and the, the sense of nostalgia is it, it's kind of funny because I, I think as you know, millennials and zennials are getting closer to quarter and you know middle age. Uh, they're remembering back, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh dear God, I was. 10 years old when Urkel was on TV or, you know, I was I were getting Transformers when the Transformers original movie came out, the cartoon and yeah. you, you look back with those rose-tinted glasses and try to bring back those childhood memories that were a relic of a much more innocent age and like you mentioned, I, I can't blame Hollywood for taking the steps of reviving some of these properties because everyone, they have a built-in audience, everyone wants to go see well wanted to go see a new Transformers until Michael Bay took a dump all over them. Uh, <laughs> everyone you know, wants to go see uh, the new Bridget Jones because they remember the first one. And, and those tie more... It, it's not so much that the movie was good or bad, but if you did have a good time with it, it ties back more to a memory of who you saw it with, when you saw it, what was going on around that time. Um, and I think that's why we're seeing so many reboots and rehashes of things, is because that built-in audience is going there to try to relive kind of those lost memories. Yeah, absolutely. And we just got really deep, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, what I really want, it's kind of funny you mentioned it, I would love to see a chick flick horror movie. I don't think that's ever been done, but it should be done. Because I think it would be hilarious. I think the closest really we ever got... should be done. Yeah, I mean, you. I, I think we had this conversation where I asked about Your Next, if you've seen that. I saw it a, a long time ago, and I was kind of in and out. I wasn't paying as the best attention I should have been paying attention. Yeah, it's it's not a. Uh, I mean, it's not a chick flick one, but there but there are some stronger female characters. Uh, I don't know. You could do you could do something along the line of like bring back Jamie Lee Curtis and Scream Queens or something. And... I did just remember though the there is a chick flick horror movie or somewhat horror movie. It was Warm Bodies. Oh yeah! Well, Which I actually, I didn't even movie, really. That was more. Ju- That's just a cute movie. Yeah, well, still, it, it had some horror elements with the zombies. But I remember seeing the trailers for that and wanting to shoot myself for having to because I'd have to go see it. And I actually liked it a lot. I think it's a fun movie. So, <laughs> oh, you know what? The Dracula musical from the end of Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes, that's there a chick horror movie. Let, let's do that. <laughs> All right, let's do that. But anyways, speaking of horror movies, uh, we are going to move on to Blair Witch. Uh, which is interesting because it's almost impossible to keep a secret in Hollywood. Uh, but it's happened twice this year. The first was with 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, and the second was with Blair Witch. I mean, this already had trailers out. It was already getting some pre- press and some buzz, and it was simply known as The Woods. And I had seen a couple trailers for it, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And then at San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con in uh, July, they're like, Adam Wingard, the director, is like, oh, this is actually the Blair Witch sequel, and we're going to show it to you. And then the new trailer came out that actually started mentioning Blair Witch and the Blackwoods Forest, uh, Black Hills Forest, excuse me. But before we get into it, um, Andy, you've seen the first one, right? The, the Blair Witch Project? Yeah, I had a very interesting experience with it. I was out of the country when the whole Blair Witch thing happened. And so I came back uh, to America in September of... 1999 
mm-hmm. and everyone was talking about the Blair Witch Project. And my roommate at the time was like, oh yeah, there was this wonderful like several months during the summer where everyone was like, is this real? Is it not real? Oh, but it's fake. It's all just a movie. And I'm like, dude, you should totally <laughs> let me see that movie thinking it was like a documentary. That would have been cool. And uh, and then I watched it and I was like, oh, that was a thing, I guess. I'm glad I experienced that and that I now get all of the jokes of like people breathlessly yelling into their camera about how sorry they are that they lost the map. And, yeah. You know, but, uh, so. you know, that was... <laughs> So my Blair Witch experience was very kind of meta and I've always just kind of looked back on it fondly and never revisited it because it's like, oh, it's a good movie. And I understand that it spawned like the entire found footage thing and it was good at what it did. Uh, I just I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I need more of this and I need it now. Yeah. And, and what was cool for me was uh, this came out in the, the in 1999, like you mentioned, and I was working at Blockbuster, my first job. So I was just surrounded by movie geeks the entire time, and I remember the movie came out, and uh, my friend was like, no, we have to go see this horror movie, uh, we'll go to a midnight showing. So we went there, and we were one of the first people to see it, people were getting sick and running outside to throw up because of the shaky cam, and this was when all we had for internet was like Net Zero and AOL, I mean, DSL was just coming around the corner, I mean, we I think we got it a couple years later at my house. So this was before they had the whole, like, oh, we can just hop on Reddit or hop on Google and see what's going on. So, again, it was presented as this is real footage of what happened, and it was filmed in such a way that you you really did think, oh, crap, these people died, and they found this footage, and, you know, they're... And, again, looking back, it was very naive to think that. But when you're 18 years old, (laughs) you know, and this is, like, one of your first horror movie experiences in the theater, that's what you're going to think. So I absolutely loved the first one, thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, to this day, I refuse to go camping because of that movie. Um, and let's just say that Blair Witch, the the new one, doesn't make me want to go in the woods any more than I did before. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> uh, even less. So this movie wisely forgets that Book of Shadows, the ill-fated sequel, ever took place. Yeah. Because that movie is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it takes place... So the story is that the actual Blair Witch Project uh, filming and the disappearances took place in 1994... And this movie takes place in 2014. And it's told from the point of view of James Donahue, who is Heather from the first movie's brother. He was four when she went to the Black Woods and disappeared. So he's been kind of obsessed since he was a kid to find out what happened, what's going on. Well, um, some locals in the area post this video to YouTube that apparently came from one of the DV tapes that was lost and never found from the original Blair Witch Project that shows his sister running away from something in a... Uh, in a building somewhere, like a cabin, and they never found the cabin and anything else, so he decides, hey, I need to go out there and find that. He's joined by his, not really his girlfriend, uh, Callie, who's played by Lisa Arlington. She's kind of like into him, but she's filming a documentary for her uh, film class in college, and they go out there with their friends uh, to find out exactly what happened to his sister and kind of try to follow in her footsteps. I'm not going to give any more away because that's pretty much what you see in the trailer. And honestly, you need to go into this movie as blind as possible because figuring out what's happening is is the most fun. Uh, what I will say, what's really cool, is you know we have new new technology now. So it's not just DV cameras. We've got earpiece cameras, so we can do like first person video. We've got drones. 
We have Bluetooth uh, cameras we can attach and look at your cell phone and see the video. So Adam Wingard really, really has a lot of fun playing up all these different things where you've got on two or three screens of the, of the characters looking on, on the main screen to see what's going on. And so you're just being bombarded by sound effects all around you from things moving, shadows jumping. It is scary as all hell. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the last 20 minutes or so, they edit all this raw footage to make it look like it's real and it's happening so perfectly that it, it's the the most intense 20 minutes I've seen in a horror movie. In, you know, in a straight-up horror movie in years, the only thing I can compare it to is some of the scenes from Green Room because it's just it's that tense and just, you know, gripping the edge of your seat. Um, it's fun. Yeah. I loved it. It's not quite as good as the original. I mean, there are some problems. It, it kind of introduces some new plot points that never really go anywhere. Um, and my one complaint is it does take too many cues from the first movie and it's perfectly fine to pay homage or to pay respect to what you've come from and where you've been but it's a lot more fun if you take that and try to make it your own thing and it didn't quite do that it has a few too many beats that are the same as the first movie that said though this is fun go at night when it's all dark and stormy like when we saw it up here take a date Hold on to each other, um, and just do not watch this movie before you go camping in the woods, because you'll probably never go again. Um, easily at an eight out of ten on this one. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that. Again, I mean that's kind of the problem of the again of the nostalgia sequel. It's like, well, we're trying to pay homage and and give some like winks to our core audience, and then when you don't pull that off quite right, it can be like. Oh hey, remember y'all watching a movie? Y'all yeah, watching a movie of a movie that you liked before? Remember that movie? Just yeah, like, uh, and, and there's a there's a lot of that in here. It's never really distracting. Uh, I will say though that uh, again, I'm a huge fan of playing with the audience's mind. So when you, when they're walking around in the dark and they've got flashlights and they react to something, the audience in the same way is like, oh, did I see something? Was something really there, or was it not, or what's going on? And that for me is a lot more fun than having a monster hop out of bushes and, and scare you. Not that that does or doesn't happen, because I'm not going to give anything away that I can. But it's the moments where they're you're looking for a friend or they're hearing weird noises, trying to figure out where it's coming from, or running around somewhere in enclosed spaces that really make this movie terrifying. And we're not going to see anything quite as good as Heather Donahue when you know, like you mentioned, crying into the camera saying, "You know, I'm so sorry, I lost the map." Um, you don't really get that gut wrenching terror because. This time around, the director isn't torturing his actors like they did in the first movie. Go, mm. Seriously, go look up the behind the scenes of the first Blair Witch. It was it was grueling for them. They didn't know what was going on. They had no clue what was going to happen. So they were legitimately horrified at what was going on around them because they had no clue they were going to find a little bag of teeth or these weird, you know, stick men everywhere. So this one has a, definitely has a lot more Hollywood gloss to it, uh, but it's still a ton of fun, and it definitely should be something you should see this weekend. Yeah, on a on a completely different note than that, we have Oliver Stone giving us the story of Edward Snowden. Uh, for those who don't know, Edward Snowden was uh, a CIA and NSA employee who uh, stole a bunch of information from from the NSA and gave it to some reporters in order to blow the whistle on the fact that there was mass surveillance going on of you and me and everyone else in the United States. 
The movie yep. really takes great pains to help you understand exactly what that means and builds up that paranoia of you could be watched, you're, you could be being watched right now in the way that really only Oliver Stone can deliver. Um, known for that very frenetic, paranoid style, he really lays into that. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the better parts of the movie. Uh, but really, the best part here is uh, the, the performances of the two lead actors. Joseph Gordon-Levitt absolutely nails playing Edward Snowden. Like, down to his voice and his mannerisms and his cadence. Uh, the, the main actors and Stone actually like went and visited with Edward Snowden in Moscow several times and talked to him and and got to know him so that they could understand all of this. And, um, man, Joseph Gordon-Levitt just does an amazing, amazing, amazing job here. Oh, and he's- if it were only him, though, this movie would have ended up kind of bleak because you kind of end up watching this douchey nerd um, doing a bunch of stuff and slowly <laughs> learning how to hate the government. Um, so what really saves this movie is uh, Shailene Woodley playing Edward Snowden's girlfriend. And she injects a conscience and some charisma into this movie that is so sorely needed. Um, because otherwise, I would have felt like uh, I'd just spent two hours and 15 minutes watching Oliver Stone just slobber all over, all over himself, praising Edward <laughs> Stone. And it is just... It would have just been abysmal. I, I think we use a, you used a different phrase earlier. I did use a different not, phrase in, in that's when not family I friendly. originally told you, but we're trying to keep the, the podcast PG-13 here. So. But Woodley is is great here, and um, you, you get to see the interplay between the two of them, and there are actually a bunch of really good moments where uh, she kind of humanizes the dude, um, because like I said, otherwise he'd just be some douchey nerd. Uh, but there are scenes here where uh, you get to see, you know, what's what's going on in his head. And he's able to try and explain it to her. And she's kind of our stand-in as the audience. And, mm-hmm. and it's really great that they have her there. Um, Ed Snowden is such a polarizing figure. And I don't think that this movie is going to inform you one way or the other like if you hate him you're probably still going to hate him if you love him you're going to come out thinking he's just that much of a hero Um, my personal take is uh, that I think Snowden is and was very naive about uh, these things uh, that he's maybe a little bit vainglorious and um, you know looking for the spotlight when he shouldn't have been and I don't think that this movie dissuades me from any of those things, uh, even though uh, Stone was definitely trying to portray him in a very serious and, um, and positive manner. So uh, I, I think it'll be very interesting, and I hope that this movie continues a conversation that we need to 
very seriously have in our country. One of the reasons I mentioned that I think that Ed Snowden was uh, was very naive was he felt, oh, I'm going to get this information to the media and then everything's going to get better, right? And here we are four years later. And I... Like, if anything, if it's almost you worse. don't believe that the NSA isn't still spying on everyone, then you are the one who's being naive. Like, it's absolutely still happening. They're just finding another backdoor. And I don't think that um, this movie offers any real fixes, which is the real problem. And people are looking to Ed Snowden to, like, be their savior. And it's like, well, he just pointed out something that was happening. He was a computer guy who was looking at all these databases and saying, hey, this is illegal, and then pointed that out to... Um, and then pointed that out to the media. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's a real downer. <laughs> that's really well, bleak. I um, think some of us who have been more tech savvy and, you know, I grew up loving computers and, you know, hopping on the internet as soon as we, I was, you know, I was able to and uh, taking computer classes and really being part of this cult, of the culture. I don't think any of us were really surprised that after 9 11, and the Patriot Act that the government was spying on us. I think we all just kind of assumed, okay, well, this is probably going to happen. Because even though, yeah. you know, I would like to believe in the fact that the government always follows the Constitution, um, <laughs> it was pretty safe to say that, well, when they're trying to say national security is on the, on the line, screw it. So Edward Snowden seemed to me was kind of like the wake-up call for, we'll just say the civilians of the world who had no idea, you know, the, the ones who, you know, like... The ones who call you be like, hey, how do I program my VCR to watch, you know, The Amazing Race tonight? <laughs> the people yeah. who, you know, come in. Wait, people still have VCRs and watch The Amazing Race? I know no, a place that sells them, yes. Uh, <laughs> but, the, you know, the everyday average person who, let's say they have an iPhone or a Samsung phone, uh, and they know how to go on Facebook, but they don't know how it works. They don't understand the intricacies. And you know what? And that's perfectly fine because I don't know how to fix a car. You know, I can take it to my mechanic who can take my engine apart and put it back together perfectly fine in two hours. And he may not know what PRAM is in his MacBook. I do. And so everyone has their own area of expertise. So it's not saying that if you don't know about computers, you're oh, wrong. Yeah. But it'd be the same with if all of a sudden told me like, oh, my my Toyota has this gas this gasket leak and they've known about it for years. And you could have blown up and died in 15. You know, it's, it's when they have the massive recalls or people... You know, it's the same yeah. kind of thing, just in a different world. So that was kind of everyone's wake-up call. And I think Snowden did a good thing as far as bringing it to light and being that whistleblower. But it kind of seems like, like you mentioned, he went about it because he wanted to get the fame. And to be honest, you know, I can't help but feel that the timing of this movie it makes perfect sense because, you know, what what do we have, what, four months left of Obama in office? Yeah. What does the president do during the last four months of his uh, of his time in office? Yeah. Pardons Man, a lot of people. Pardons a lot of people. So I can't help but feel this is a political thing for that. And I'm not here to say whether he should or shouldn't be pardoned. Um, I don't yeah, really have probably a, should be. Probably but so should, should be. Kelsey Manning, and so should like dozens of other people. So should Tim DeChristopher. So should yeah. Uh, there's like three other CIA NSA whistleblowers who like they mention in the movie who tried to like bring this stuff up and got raked over the coals for it and 
like, yeah, Ed Snowden should be pardoned, but so should a lot of other people. So should tens of thousands of nonviolent drug offenders. Exactly. So, so then, again, that's, that's a whole other debate we're not trying to get into. Um, yeah. But I, you mentioned before, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is one of the best actors of our time. I think he's... People are starting to realize how good he is. I mean, if you saw Looper, you believe he's a young Bruce Willis. And, and of course, there was some help with prosthetics, but you can't prosthetically put an accent or a tick in someone's eye into a movie. So... Um, th- this is one that unfortunately I just I had to work through, but I am very very excited to go see it because uh, I am interested to see how they portray it, um, even if maybe it's not done the best way possible, or like you mentioned before, it's just trying to slobber all over one man that someone maybe has too much respect for. Yeah, I and I, I understand why there's respect for Snowden, and I think he's he's an interesting individual and. I don't think that what he did was wrong, and I don't think if I'd been in his situation, I probably would have been much more different. But the difference is, I wouldn't have gone to work for the CIA and the NSA and cybersecurity and assumed we weren't doing all of this illegal stuff. Like, maybe that's just, like, my (laughs) inherent distrust of the national security apparatus, but... I just, you know, uh, what what I think about the timing of this movie, though, since you mentioned the timing, is whether or not Stone gets pardoned is really not the issue. That the the issue is going to be we are going to have a new president in four months, mm-hmm. and I don't see either of the two main candidates as being trustworthy to not continue and or expand mass surveillance. It's only going to get worse. And the issue isn't Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. And it's not even they themselves. It's us. It's us. We expect all of this interconnectedness. And we expect the government to be having a very heavy hand when it deals with terrorism. And um and we're not calling for an end to mass surveillance because when it comes right down to it, most of us would rather be spied on than worry about terrorism. And that's got to change before before we really fix anything. As a movie, I think this movie works pretty well. It's slow at times. It's really slow at times. Oliver Stone movies can be. They can kind of drag on. Um, so uh, I, I think it's definitely a half hour too long but uh, I'm, I'm giving it a 6 out of 10 and my real recommendation is if you really want to get down to the actual issues of what's going on with surveillance drone strikes etc and the real ethical issues you shouldn't watch Snowden you should watch Eye in the Sky with Helen Mirren and Alan Rickman mm-hmm. that movie is amazing that's that's one of the, the best movies that you probably missed this year. And and people should go check that out. Go see Snowden, but really go check out Eye in the Sky. It's wonderful. And I, yeah. I think much the better movie than this. And to be completely honest, if you were surprised by everything Snowden revealed in 2013, you obviously didn't watch The Dark Knight in 20, 2008 when yeah. Batman essentially did the exact same thing with cell phones. So yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Well, and, and they explain it, like, really simply. He's like, look, we, we've got, like, this one terrorist, and we have to, like, 
we track all of his, um, all of his, all the, all of his contacts. Yeah. And then we have to contact all of, we have to track all of their contacts. And then we have to track all of their contacts. You so it's a pyramid scheme. One person in the globe who has an average of 20 contacts, then by the time you get to three degrees of separation, you're talking about 2.4 million people. Mm-hmm. You think about how many people the United States is legitimately trying to keep under surveillance, and that number explodes exponentially. And it, you know, just because you're three degrees from a terrorist doesn't actually mean that the government should like be able to spy on you. Um, but yet, those are the tools that we've given to them. So there we go. Yeah, and and it's really funny because statistics is fun. I think it's, there was one that was put out there that. Um, if you're in a room with like 20 people, the odds of two of you having the exact same birthday are like one in four or something like that. And it's really funny because wow. at my work of about 100 people, three of us have the same birthday. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, the, if you want to do something fun uh, and kind of more movie related, they always say like, you know, oh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. If you go to yep. Google and you type in any actor's name or any cinematographer or director or anyone you want to, you put their name and then after that, put in bacon number and hit enter. Google will do all of it and tell you how many degrees of separation they are from Kevin Bacon. It's really, really fun. You can take the most obscure person you've ever thought of. Then it's like, oh, they started with this person in this movie, and that person started in this movie with Kevin Bacon. So they're one degree away. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, that's that's how it is. And to, and to say that any of us have just 20 points of contact, I mean, dear God, I have 50 people who text me today. So Yeah, right? <clears throat> but I know it, I would I love to see it done perfectly well, but like you said, it does sound interesting enough to, yeah. especially it's, dealing with what's going on nowadays. It, it, you know, I kind of feel like all three of these movies. There's a theme. It's an Oliver Snow, uh, an Oliver Stone movie about Edward Snowden, a Blair Witch sequel, a Bridget Jones sequel. You know exactly what those movies are, <laughs> and if you're going to like them before you even walk into the theater, and your mileage is really going to vary based on how much you're personally interested in that subject matter. And that is, I think, a good thing. We each, like, not every movie needs to be Captain America Civil War, which came out on DVD and Blu-ray this week, and you should all be watching all the time. But... Yes. It, it, not every movie needs to have that huge, massive appeal and make a billion dollars. We can have movies that are a niche audience, and you should go and support them so that we continue to get them. Yeah. And, and what's fun and this so, week, we really do have something for everyone. You've got your comedy, you've got your horror, and you've got your real-life horror. So. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, that'll take us to the end of this week. Uh, next, we've got Storks, which is a new animated movie from Warner Brothers about where babies may or may not come from. And the that's remake. Not big, of, that's not where babies come from. <laughs> well, as far as I, that, that's what I was told to me, and I'm sticking with it. So um, you can't trust the beginning of Dumbo. Dumbo is a racist movie. Don't trust Dumbo about anything, especially <laughs> oh, not with babies. I was going to do my, my impersonation. Oh well. Um, yeah. And then we also have the remake of the Magnificent Seven, which is a oh my western gosh. with Chris Pratt and a bunch of other good-looking men. So <laughs> I can't wait for that. That's I love that. And honestly, I've gotten to this without seeing one trailer. So I'm going into this movie, aside from watching the original one, uh, 100% blind, and that's something that's very rare for me to do. So I'm quite excited for that. Um, so we'll be back next week with those two movies. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon.
tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly, punk ass fly. Remember? I loved Bionic Man. Remember Chewbacca again? Oh, I love to remember Chewbacca. Hey, remember when there weren't so many Mexicans? Oh, I remember. Wait, what? Yeah, remember when marriage was just between a man and a woman? I remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. Wait. Remember feeling safe? Remember no ice? Remember Reagan? Oh, I remember. Oh, remember. What the f is going on with these member berries? Yes, Mr. Garrison. Could we get rid of all the Mexicans? No, Mr. Garrison. We cannot get rid of all the Mexicans. Rats. Hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon, madam. <laughs>